0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Guess
2: what day it is. Guess what day
3: it is. Huh? Anybody?
2: Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show.
4: Tell me something. You can go anywhere. Another timeline. Another universe. So why do you want
1: to stay and fight to save this one?
5: Because this is the world where my mom lives. I'm not going to lose her again. has a pattern that it can't help reliving different people different worlds drawn to each other like magnets my face so my face if you were to go into the past you
6: have no idea what the consequences
5: can be. Bruce, I could fix things. You could also destroy everything. This can't be happening. I completely broke the universe. Sarge, we've been waiting for you. I created a world with no metahumans. And now there's no
6: one to defend us. Want some help?
4: you're you are yeah
3: i'm batman
5: if i can't undo what i did If I can't get back, there might not be a future. What's the play? Batman, what do we do?
3: We try not to die.
5: It's not Clark.
4: My name is Kara.
5: I I'm well, Barry. we're
2: Barry. Barry, what are you doing? Our kids are going to want to see this. Hey there, everyone. When you always want, if you had a chance to go back in time to be able to fix something that was horrible, that changed your life, you know, you know something like losing a loved one. Or a doll, a pet, or something really bad, and you had the opportunity to be able to go fix that, what would be the ripples from that? What would change in history? And we're going to find out tonight, because we are going to be talking all about The Flash. That's right, the newest film from DC. And it is going to be interesting to talk all about this one. We got a great crew to do it and let's do some introductions real quick and then we're going to hop real quick into it we'll get to it in a flash you could say even sorry about that um first of course joining us because it's a movie review ashley paul's is here
7: thank you so much i it's always great to talk about superhero movies with you guys whether it's dc or marvel so we definitely have a lot to talk about these days
2: oh we definitely have a lot to talk about again And it's going to be interesting. Did superhero fatigue hit us like we've been kind of predicting or did it knock it out of the ballpark? We'll find out real quick. And of course, from Earth Station DCU, let's welcome Drew and Cletus. Welcome, guys.
6: Hey, thanks for having us on to talk about the Flash.
2: Cletus, good to have you, sir.
5: Yeah, thanks for having us. Drew and I have been anticipating this one for a while. Uh, This one... In particular, I think, has had a unique spectacle around it uh, leading up to its release. So I think this one had a little bit of extra intrigue compared to some of the other recent DC um, films that have come out.
2: No, can't disagree with that. And I hope we dive into this all the way tonight. And of course, as always, Mr. Flash Gordon himself. Mikey is here. Howdy. Howdy. You're welcome and ready for this one, dude.
3: Yeah. So you're saying that, you know, if I need to, if I want to fix a traumatic event in my life, uh, maybe I could go back and, and, and change things like not joining this podcast.
2: Yes. It might, we might actually be successful (laughs) then. It might be awesome.
3: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. We both might be.
2: (laughs) Exactly. You never know. Geeky Zombie could be on episode one, issue 100 already in, uh, in the 13 years. Pretty cool though. But yes. Things like that could happen. Or, you know, you could be co-hosting a podcast with Michael Keaton. That'd be even awesome.
3: Oh well, that that yes. I guess that could be done as well.
2: Exactly. Or even worse, you could be hosting a podcast with yourself, younger.
3: <laughs> I thought you were going to say Joe Rogan. No, no. I wouldn't even do that with that place
2: for either. Well, we definitely would love to hear from everybody. And then, please, feedback at our station one is definitely the place to Write us and such, and if you get a chance, of course, if you're watching us up on YouTube or if you're watching listening to us at home, please subscribe. It's the best way for people to find out. Our numbers will go up, and it's also great because we come out now twice a week, so it's a great way for you, everyone to find us. And, of course, before we go any further, we are going to be spoiling the heck out of this movie, so start running real fast. Go back till Thursday, watch it, and then come back for, to listen to this one. So it should be actually a ton of fun. I don't know, Mr. Mike. Whole
3: different hosts by then.
2: Exactly. You never know. (laughs) You might see somebody go in in, in the hosting position, going, "That's right. It's time to get going for the Dark Knight podcast." So it could be (laughs) awesome. So, Mr. Mike, take it away.
3: As usual, we like to start with the box office, and boy, it's not pretty for this one. Um, As Mm -hmm. of yesterday, uh, and we're recording this on Monday. Uh, the weekend grossing for the opening weekend gross for The Flash was fifty five million in the United States and Canada, seventy five million in other territories. So for a worldwide gross of one hundred thirty million, that is low. <laughs> I Very think low. that's that's I know that's lower than Black Adam. Yes, and I believe that's even uh, it's right around like Shazam: Fury of the Gods territory. I don't think that one was that high either. So uh this is this is uh, yeah this i'm surprised by this number um i i know that a lot of movies this summer have underperformed um and so there's a lot of reasons that people are not going to the theater and it doesn't even have anything to do with the quality of the movie um you know things are happening things are getting uh on streaming so fast um, people are staying away just because they got used to staying away from the pandemic. Um, they're, th- th- it's too expensive, blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot of reasons that people are sticking away from the theaters. And so, so yeah, I mean, I thought we were seeing an improvement of box office numbers with uh, Across the Spider-Verse last week. And that looked really hopeful because that did double what the original movie did. But not the case here. Um, I think this has probably done worse than any Michael Keaton Batman movie in history. <laughs> so uh, any any thoughts on the, on the box office, guys, and the poor box office for this weekend?
6: I know when I was at the theater, I went on Friday night, and I was very surprised that it wasn't even one-third of the way full. It was pretty empty.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my showing was not full either i think i don't know that it's one thing i think this film was a a combination of a lot of different factors obviously you have the controversy surrounding the film you have the uh poor branding that dc is dealing with right now that i think is affecting any film that they put out until it's proven to be good um and the knowledge that this this film wasn't gonna count so to speak for anything because they're rebooting with James Gunn's Superman film. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'm i not saying that's a, the biggest factor, but enough people knew that, and enough people that might have gone to see the film probably knew that. And then also, as we've mentioned, streaming, I think it's just, I think it's a lot of things, A Perfect Storm just kind of combined to real, I, I was shocked the numbers were that low. I was not expecting it to be a mega hit, but I thought it would do better than Black Adam. I can't, I'm shocked (laughs) Mm -hmm. that Black Adam outperformed this film.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Me as well.
5: Uh, Ashley, any thoughts?
7: Yeah, no, Cletus, I feel like you said it very well. There's a lot of factors going on here. And I think also part of the, uh, conversation, I think some of the Marvel ones have been underperforming a little bit too. So not necessarily, I know people have been talking about superhero fatigue for many years and For a lot of that, I feel like people were maybe saying that prematurely, but we could maybe be starting to feel a little bit of that. People are kind of looking for something new and different. So I I feel like James Gunn's Superman movie will do very well, but yeah, just because it's a weird time for the DC Cinematic Universe and... There's been a lot of other movies coming out this summer. I feel like this is the first year since the pandemic where we've had like a big movie every single weekend. So maybe people aren't used to that so much anymore. So they, they're they either saving their money for Indiana Jones or they already went to see Guardians or into the Spider-Verse. Something like that could be playing into it as well. For me, me I'm getting
6: tired of the word or hearing the phrase hero fatigue, superhero fatigue. I just think it's, uh, I don't think it's superhero fatigue so much as it's we're not getting as good stories out there i think that's what it is
5: i was gonna say i think it's mediocre film fatigue i think it's well the- exactly you know people
2: want to see good things and it's a lot of word of mouth and like you guys i saw it last night and we went to an eight thirty show and there were maybe 10 people in the theater and i was like shocked by how little people were in it. It wasn't like the weather was bad. It wasn't like it was a holiday weekend or anything like that. It was Father's Day, actually. But, you know, what better way to do take that to a movie, you know, type thing. But I enjoyed, you know, being at the movie theater and seeing the spectacle up on a huge screen. This movie was made for the big screen. And I loved that we got to see that. But also, I think there's just a lot of controversy around the lead actor. And I think that might have put a taint on it a little bit. And so that might have been an issue, too. And But then again, I know a lot of people were wanting to see this movie because there was no secret who was coming back in this one. And, you know, this is the first time we got Michael Keaton as Batman since 92. So... Was, yeah,
3: but that was, that's also like a few generations ago. So,
2: yeah, like the kids, the don't, younger generation, though, bat, that Batman is, you know, that's still very popular.
3: Yeah, but not, you know, I mean, there's been two other Batmans since then, you know. So it's like, I think, I think, Actually, the, three. I, I, I think the kids today are just like, you know, I think that that's just, it's, it's, he's just too old to really make a difference. But, Actually, but then again, you know, we're going to see if that's that's calling an effect, like if that if that affects Indiana Jones, because it certainly took us all by surprise because it wasn't a factor for Tom Cruise and Top Gun last year. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Right. You roll the dice and you see what it's, what's up. But all top, right. So
2: Top Gun ended up turning out to be a decent movie. That's the thing. Even I had to eat crow and when, when and say it was decent and you know, I was I'm the biggest basher on that one. And people want to still see good stories, and which is sad because this is a decent story we got. And, you know, even for a superhero movie, I think it was a little more, you know, you had to be kind of a comic geek to get some of the inside stuff for it. Or you've had to see, be a DC person or, you know, totally know a lot of it because some of it went right over Judy's head when we saw it. Yeah. So that might have been an issue too.
3: Well, let's get let's get deeper into all of that. Uh, Drew, we'll start with you. What were your expectations going in? And overall, when you left the theater, were you satisfied?
6: Going into it, I had low expectations, <laughs> and that was on purpose. But um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked this movie a lot. Had comedy and um, had some moments and stuff. Love seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again. Of course, he. I was a freshman in high school when the um, 89 movie came out. So, you know, that that was my Batman for a while. But, uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Though, I did have some issues with it. Um, it had one of the stupidest um, scenes in cinematic history, I thought, with that baby scene. I did not like that. <laughs> I seemed like they kept. Showing it <laughs> I didn't I didn't like that And I thought some of the CGI Was kind of funky looking mm-hmm. But It also had some surprises in it I wasn't expecting Wonder Woman to be in it That was a, That was a surprise I I wasn't surprised to um, I wasn't surprised to see um, Ben Affleck's Batman in it And I'm always happy to see Jeremy Irons as uh, Alfred. Alfred So
2: Mm-hmm
6: yeah but yeah overall i enjoyed it
3: cool cletus what about you going in and coming up
5: there's a version of this movie has been floating out there for so long i i never really trusted that it was going to be good i mean drew and i have talked about it on the podcast intermittently when you know the, the director would change or a different screenwriter would come on whatever and we would talk about like man i don't know <laughs> and eventually it actually got made and we finally actually saw a trailer for it and i was like i i don't know i don't know um and one of the things that going in had me most intrigued was the level of confidence that warner brothers was projecting in the film like it was i thought the the marketing in the sense of the way that warner brothers was talking about the film and the confidence that they were projecting and it was different than basically any of the other dc films that they've done um and that had me i was like what is what about this film has them so like are they just trying to get people to talk about that and not talk about ezra miller i don't know um and having seen it it's pretty good I don't know why they talked about it like that. It's a pretty good superhero film. I don't think it did any, it's not like to me, it wasn't a genre changer. It wasn't like the dark Knight or it wasn't like Endgame or something that did something you'd never seen in a superhero film. It was pretty good. Like it did a superhero film. Well, I enjoyed it. There were a lot of really fun moments, but I, I, the confidence thing to me going out of the film was like, it had to be a, them trying to divert attention because I, I there wasn't anything unique to me about it. And then the thing that surprised me the most is I had avoided reading reviews for the most part because I don't want to get little snippets of things I don't want to know sure. until I've seen the film. But I had seen little nuggets of people saying that the CGI was bad, and I was like, oh, I'll, I don't know. I mean, how is CGI? Do you need to do like if you do the flash really fast, you don't really have to show anything. And <laughs> oh, oh my God, that. It it was all I could think about after the film was like the thing that has stuck with me the most about the film is how bad the CGI was and how much they used it. They didn't need to. The baby scene, Drew, one of the reasons I think the baby scene is distracting is because of the, the they look terrible. Like they look like toys floating in the air and they're supposed mm-hmm. to be real babies. And then the Chrono Bowl doesn't have to be CGI. I, I don't understand why you couldn't use stills and animated and like I'm sure I'm sure it's difficult, but that's the beauty of the movie magic, right? Is there's a way to do that. And I felt like they made the movie more expensive by making stuff CGI that did not need to be CGI, especially with the quality of CGI that they were putting in. To me, it was it was so so distracting. And it, it definitely knocked my opinion of the film down because it was all I could think about. Anytime they were in the Chrono Bowl, which was a lot. I, it was all I could think it was like, "Oh my God, why is the CGI? It is so bad." Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, there's yeah, there's a ton of CG in there. and I I have heard complaints about it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're using this much CG, unless you're James Cameron, it's not all going to be great, <laughs> right? Like, like you know, nobody nobody does like nobody just painstakingly like taking shot by shot. Uh, Uh, doing it, make sure everything's great shot by shot, like the, and meticulously as Cameron does. So, I mean, I thought some sequences were good and some not, but we'll get into more of those. Ashley, I want to hear about you though. Uh, Expectations going in.
7: Yeah. So, I mean, I was, um, this is a film I wanted to see. I am a person that just enjoys superhero movies generally. So if there's a new one coming out, I like to go see it in theater. Um, I was familiar with the Flash character, was a big fan of the CW's Arrowverse, so um, was familiar with like Grant Guss and his portrayal of the character. And even though I know that um, Zack Snyder's uh, subsection of the DC Cinematic Universe is a little bit controversial, I really loved um, the Snyder cut of the Justice League. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing this as probably the last film that I'll get with within kind of that subsection of the universe before the hard reset. So I would say, yeah, in general, I, um, I felt like I really enjoyed the film. I liked that. It was kind of a mix of humor and action, but also had some of those more emotional moments of the fact that you have to let someone you love die, because if you save them, the whole universe is going to unravel. I mean, which it sounds like an easy choice, like, Oh yeah, you shouldn't let the universe unravel, but if it was someone that was close to you, that would be a very uh, difficult choice to make and it was great seeing the cameos and um some of the classic characters return like michael keaton uh always great to see wonder woman uh one of my still one of my favorite superhero movies of all time is wonder woman so it was wonderful to see um her again like others kind of mentioned i did notice some moments of dodgy CGI, which which again is interesting because I feel like this film was delayed some due to COVID. So it seemed like maybe they would have had a little more time to work on it, but that was one thing that kind of distracted me a little bit. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it and was puzzled to see that it um, didn't do very well at the box office. So um, just, yeah, post-pandemic, it's a really interesting time for films, but I personally um, enjoyed it and was glad I went to see it.
3: Yeah, this, this, this movie was supposed to initially come out in 2016. That's wow, how yeah, long, yeah. that's how long and storied of a backstory it was to try to get this thing made. Oh, very. Um, so it's, under, it's been crazy. Yes. <laughs>
2: actually, they also filmed three different endings for this movie. Wow. And, you know, then they have them all on film just I'm because sure it was
3: like demand the cut, right? Yeah. Oh,
2: no, I hope not. <laughs> but because of, changes in Warner brothers and who was in charge of the films, they kept on changing, you know, Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. They didn't film the ending that we saw at the end of this one with George Clooney until February of this year. Oh, wow. So, you know, that's, you know, how much it's changed because it's just, it's and it's just interesting because we got in the first ending actually had henry cavill in it it also had gal gadot and it also had michael keaton as um as batman still Mm, and also the and also of course had uh the young lady who was supergirl in it still Mm. and it was and so it was just interesting that you know that scene was cut and then they redid it again and then it was just michael keaton And Supergirl in it at the end with Barry, so it was just it was just interesting. Depending what you got, and you know because you know they canceled the Patty Jenkins third Wonder Woman movie, so that's why they pulled Wonder Woman from it. And then what ended up the poor showing of Black Adam, and then them deciding to cut, you know Henry's, you know Superman, when you know the new regime came in at DC. That you know, basically they said Look, we can't have that scene, so it's just it was just real interesting, and you know, and it was it was a good surprise seeing, actually, that version of Bruce, yeah. in there and everything. I did not know that he was going to be in it. I yeah. I was actually really really surprised.
7: I didn't so, either. Like over the phone, I was noticing that doesn't quite sound like Ben Affleck, and then George Clooney <laughs> stepped out. was like, well. You got me, did not see that coming,
3: yeah i thought I thought it for sure it was Keaton, um because it actually sounded like Keaton
2: it did they I think probably, they, did, I think they did
3: mess around with the sound, I think it was Keaton's voice, um initially, and then uh and then yeah, it was George, mm-hmm.
2: um so but it was it was real interesting, and you know, was I disappointed with the movie, not at all, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it more than I liked Black Adam. I enjoyed it more than it's not the a high Shazam bar movie. Right? I know, but I also enjoyed. I should say, hell, I loved it. I liked it better than I liked Zack Snyder anything Zack Snyder did. So, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was very well done. Yeah, CGI sucked. CGI was very sloppy in this, and especially being you know doing my own animations and doing my own stuff with you know artwork and stuff. I thought I was kind of like, what, you know, this is just awful and way too much time on the babies at the beginning and everything. And of course, Judy was like, oh, what about the dog? Are they going to rescue the dog? You know? So, you know, it was perfect for that. But it was interesting too, because I liked once they got into the storyline, I thought the CGI that they did with the two Ezra Millers though, with the two berries was great. I. I didn't doubt that at all throughout the, the film. It didn't look, you know, sloppy. Oh, wait, that's a double or something. It, you know, it, it felt like it was the two of them. And then Michael Keaton. Come on. Michael, every scene with Michael Keaton was awesome and everything. And I enjoyed that. And then I did like Sasha Cal as Kara. I didn't think I was going to because, you know, I have a Kara since I was a little kid. Blonde hair, you know. You know, very, you know, slight and everything. And you get this actress. And she was an alternate version of Supergirl. And I believed it. I wanted to see a movie with her in it and everything. I really enjoyed her character. I thought she was great. And I loved how they tied in Flashpoint to the story point. How Barry getting his powers back was right from Flashpoint, the comics. Then also, of course... You know the whole thing. You know, in Flashpoint, the Russians had had, or actually the U.S. government, I think it was, had Kalil captured, and he was like withered away because he was they kept him out of the sun. Same thing what they did with Kara in this, and I loved it as soon as she was in sunlight. Boy, did they let her go, and that was awesome. That was pretty cool.
3: I um. Yeah, I like most of you. I didn't know what to think going into this. Really, um, they were sending. You know, there's been such a storied history of of getting this made, and uh, I didn't know what we were going to get out of this. It seemed like it was going to be a mess, and it kind of was, but that wasn't all bad. Um, I came out of it thumbs up, but just moderately. I think. Um, I think I thought overall it was just all right. Um, and I didn't really have a problem with a lot of the CG. Um, you know, I'm used to watching bad effects and stuff. Like I just am like, it's just like, it really has to be horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible for me to, for me, it to really like affect me when I watch it, but the story was, it was okay. Um, and then there's a, I don't know how many of you guys started watching this or how many of y'all are wrestling fans, but there's a there's a term that's used called cheap pops. And you get a cheap pop in wrestling if you're in a city and you say, like, hey, Boston. And then the crowd goes nuts. Right. It's really easy. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't involve any character work. It doesn't involve any story work. All you do is say Boston. Like. And so this movie goes. And this movie goes, Michael Keaton, and everybody has a, a pop. You know, Christopher Reeve, and everybody has a pop. You know, George Reeve, everybody has a pop. Like, it, this just is full of cheap pops all throughout the movie until the very end when you got George Clooney. Cheap pop. And then Aquaman, it's like, eh, that's not so much of a cheap pop because does anybody really care? I mean, I guess it's leading up – it's supposed to lead up to the Aquaman movie, which is next, I guess. Well, after Blue Beetle it- or whatever. So, I, I don't know. Um it seems like it seems like this is a universe that still even on its tail end doesn't know what it's doing. Um and this movie doesn't really add to that. Um I think the story is compelling. I will say that Ezra and his and his performance times two was actually more impressive to me than I I expected. Um uh like you said Mike, I never doubted that there were two of them. Like it just, I thought the effects on that were really well done. Um, uh, and considering that he probably had nine times out of 10 when he worked, he had to work against uh, themselves. I, I, that's amazing to me that, that they were able to pull that off. Uh, because that's not easy. Now, maybe it's because nobody wants to work with them. <laughs> so, so, so they're working with themselves. <laughs> wow. But, uh, and I, uh, yeah, I went there, but in any case, uh, you know, Keaton's always good. Keaton's good in everything he does though, you know? So it's not like I'm a big surprise, but I, I'm one of the few people who didn't like the 89 Batman movie when it came out. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't hate Michael Keaton in it. I didn't hate Jack Nicholson in it. I hated just about everybody else who was in that movie. Um, but I'm not a big fan of that original Batman movie. So was I really excited to see Michael Keaton as Batman again? And the, and and for him to just say the lines that he said made popular in those over and over again? Not really. I mean, it was like, okay, great, you know. Um so, and then as far as like the bad guy, you know, having having uh, the other Flash, the other Barry up being the bad guy. I saw coming. Maybe it's because I'm used to I, I know the Flashpoint story, you know, backward and forward and sideways, and throughout all, all the multiverses that has been done. I mean, it's been done so much. Heck, the CW show has done it like eight times, it feels like. Um, you know, and it's it's weird because that origin for Barry is relatively new like Jeff Johns created that origin for Barry that his mother was was killed I I don't think it existed prior mm-hmm. to that for the no, 30 40 years the character was around like <laughs> it's only been in the last like 15 or 20 years I think that that's been a thing um and yet that's what most people know of as his origin um so I I, I don't know I I just I I didn't hate it but I uh I think like Euclides, I didn't walk out like Oh, that was a game changer. And I, I'd heard many people, Tom Cruise being one of them, uh, James Gunn being one of them, saying that this is one of the best superhero movies that's ever been made. Um, now, I know they're doing it because they get paid, but still, I was like this. I did not feel that way coming out of this. I did not feel like this was the, one of the best superhero movies ever made. Um, its It's not even the best one I've seen this month. So, (laughs) that would be, you know, if you compare that to Across the Spider-Verse, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, the only thing this one has going for it is it doesn't end with To Be Continued. Um, So, uh, all right. So, let's break it down some more. Um, Ashley, we're going to start with you. What's something else about the movie that you want to talk about, whether good or bad?
7: Yeah, um, I liked um the exploration that this movie had with the two versions of flash i feel like that's a concept that could have gone off the rails pretty easily but they were i bought them as the same character but also distinct and just like setting aside all the controversy surrounding ezra miller this is one where i just decided separate the art from the artist and not everybody is able to do that. Totally respect that. I think that's something that each person going to see the movie has to decide for themselves. But um, yeah, I appreciated that it was um, an emotionally driven performance just with um, the loss of Barry's mom. And that was his reason to go start messing with the uh, time space continuum. And I mean, realistically, like which one of us, if we had that power, would I be tempted to do that? Probably. Yes. So, um, but I thought they also did a good job showing how, if you change one tiny thing, like the domino effect, it can change so many different things. Like even when he went back to set the universe, right. Even though it's funny, a little moment to see George Clooney, like it shows, even then he's trying to reset things, but it's still not exactly right because he's messing around with the timeline and just trying to, um, reset things. So yeah, that was um, probably the highlight of the film for me was seeing the um, two different flashes and then kind of like going back through his history, seeing him having to like lose his powers and then get them back and kind of um, all that surrounding it. I enjoyed seeing that part of the story.
3: And having older, little older anyway, little older Barry, having to deal with younger, spoiled brat Barry. And um I've, Was was kind of fun. I mm-hmm.
7: feel like teenage Barry would have been kind of annoying if he was the only character, but the fact that present day Barry is kind of irritated with teenage Barry too makes it work. Like, and if we're honest, we were probably all a little bit like that. I was to about to say the
2: teenagers. same thing.
7: Yeah, like. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, like looking back into my past, like if I had to hang out with 18-year-old me, I I might get a little bit annoyed as well. So I felt like it was realistic enough that it didn't bother me as a viewer. It it worked in the context of the story. Yeah.
2: And that also th- explained a lot also the maturity on why that berry became bad and everything. Yeah. You know, you basically cuz Barry had, the more older Barry, had years to hone his powers and everything and become more mature on it. And the younger Barry was thrown right into the fire, just getting the powers right away. He didn't have, with great powers comes great responsibility, you know. So basically he didn't have that. And it explained why he was like, I can go back in time and change this and and keep on doing it. And you got to see Supergirl die over and over and die over at the hands of Zod and everything.
3: Yeah. I mean, apparently there was no way out. Like apparently that world is supposed to end with Zod uh, killing everybody. Um, There was no way around it, which is very weird and interesting at the same time. Um, Also, Uh, It's interesting because, quote, unquote, older Barry doesn't seem mature at all in the the first, like, you know, 20 minutes of this movie until he meets younger, spoiled Barry. And all of a sudden he seems like he's a little bit more mature because it's like, whoa, look at what you have to compare him to. So, yeah, it's not like I would say, oh, Barry was so mature (laughs) as he was older because he wasn't um, until he went back in time. Um And also, and guys, you guys uh, probably know this better than I do, the DCU guys. I think this is the first time Barry's gone back to save his mother and not tried to stop the murderer. Instead, do something else, right? Which seemed odd to me because it seems like if you want to stop the murder of your parent, you would stop the murderer. And that's not even – we don't even know who the murderer is in this movie.
6: Mm-hmm. I thought that was very odd that we didn't see who the murderer was. So I- that w- that was one that was one issue i had i was like why you know why didn't we focus on that of course we know it's usually the reverse flash so i'm right. guessing they didn't want to bring him into the movie but i thought it was interesting that it was the uh jar of spaghetti sauce that was the uh thing they chose to change
1: mm-hmm.
6: and we we even saw it at the change at the end of the movie with his with the, uh, his dad and the, um, video footage of how they moved the spaghetti sauce to the top shelf, which made him look up
2: mm-hmm. at the camera.
6: Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Now for me with Ezra Miller, it took me a while to adjust to him being Barry in this movie. I don't know if it's because I've been seeing Grant Gustin for so long on the <laughs> flash show or what, but it took me a little bit to for him to feel like Barry to me. Of course, he doesn't, he was still a different type of Barry. Right.
2: He's definitely not the He's same more like bird. a Wally or a
6: Bart. Yeah. And uh, he was, he still felt very immature to me at the beginning of the movie. And it was, it was funny how he really matured when he was with his younger self. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That, Absolutely. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was an interesting dynamic through the movie and added a lot of comedy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, some of that didn't land for me. So maybe that's a big thing with me too, as far as being just black. Cause I, yeah, a lot of people were coming out of here saying, I saw a lot of you saying it's really funny. And I'm like, it didn't really feel funny to me. I mean, I knew it was trying to be, but I just, it didn't, some of it didn't work for me. Um, Cletus, what's something else about the movie, bad or good, that uh, that came out of it for you?
5: Um, A little bit of both on the same topic. So I, you mentioned this, Mike, that it did a pretty good job um, hitting a lot of the major points of the Flashpoint comic, Um, and I thought it did a pretty like we got, like you said, we got Barry getting his powers back just like in the comic. him encountering a different version of Batman. Obviously, they changed it to be an older Bruce instead of Thomas, but that, like the changes that they made for the most part, I thought worked for the film. I thought changing from the war between Aquaman and Wonder Woman, while that would have been cool to see, um, changing it to be re exploring Man of Steel, I really liked. I thought that was a cool kind of reframing of Man of Steel because when you see man of steel it's in a world where nothing else has happened right it's just that movie and seeing it instead from the framework of this is an an inhabited world where barry is there bruce is there supergirl is there was was cool i thought that was a cool way to kind of reframe that movie um and bring zod back um i liked a lot of that the change the big change though going from reverse flash being the antagonist to Barry himself becoming the antagonist i thought it was an interesting idea but i do think it it caused some of the problems with the film too like we just talked about we don't know who kills Barry's mom it's it's heavily implied it's a nobody it's it's a joe chill who just breaks into the house and why do you do that because because you take reverse flash out the murderer doesn't matter now, um, and by exploring, by wanting the twist to be it's the younger Barry that that gets twisted by time travel and turns evil. I like to be clear. I like that idea, but because you want to keep that twist hidden, which I think most of us can agree they didn't do a good job of hiding, um, they don't want to do too much with that character. So he's not on screen almost at all. We see him once in the Chrono Bowl at the beginning. And then we see him pop up very, very briefly before the fight with Zod. And then we see the big scene in the chrono bowl and that's it. And so when his defeat happens within seconds, it, it didn't really, it it felt very hollow to me because that character technically has been around because we've been watching him as Barry technically the whole movie, but we haven't seen that version of him. And so when he goes and stabs himself and disappears, I was like, is that it? <laughs> I don't know. It just—I thought it was a really cool idea, but but if you're going to do that, you gotta. Ha- I I think that character has to be in the film more in order for that that scene to feel less hollow. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you do. You sacrifice the twist, and you make it. You just own that it's going to be kind of telegraphed that that's who that evil Flash is. Um, but that's. By not having it be re- the reverse flash, I think they kind of sacrificed a little bit of meaning at the end of that film. Um, I think it was a really good idea, but it didn't it didn't the version that they went with didn't fully land um because of that change yeah, uh, yeah. one one other quick thing um that I want to ask you guys that we've mentioned it the the Aquaman scene in the at the end credits did not land at all in no, my screening. Not at all. And not. I wondered, A, I just don't think it's very funny. It's supposed to be a funny scene. And personally, I've never found a character getting trashed and that is just the comedy being that funny. But that's just neat. That's subjective. Um, but I wonder, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, I think I know I felt this and I think a lot of the audience was feeling this too. It wasn't clear whether whether that was Aquaman or not. I spent most of that scene trying to figure out if this was a human Arthur and Barry mm-hmm. had messed something up, and it wasn't clear that it was just a pure comedy scene until it ended. Like the scene ended, and I was like, "Oh, it was a joke." I mm-hmm. think a lot of people were trying to figure, like, "Wait is is this actually Aquaman?" I think I honestly think that hurt because you had the twist with Clooney at the end of the film, which I liked. Then this this extra credit scene, you're spending the whole scene wondering it. Is, is he Aquaman?
3: Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. There's no lead up to it or anything. You don't know why they're together. You don't know. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Um, and I, uh, you know, this movie, I think, like wants us to do a lot of lifting for it. Um, and as far as the, um, the changes that you were talking about, one of the scenes that kind of haunts me is, and I'm not sure why they felt they needed to include it, but... Um, you know, we find out when Zod attacked in Man of Steel, we find out what Barry was doing. And Barry was able to save a child, but not his father, right? The, not the child's father. It's a very emotional scene. It's a very touching scene. Uh, it's done very well. Um, and it brings us right back to uh, Batman v Superman with with Bruce trying to, you know, save people and everything like that. And and how that was just uh, one of the big things about man of steel was that it affected it had ripple effects on a lot of the other movies that came after it um then once things change or when they try to go back in time and change things they show uh they're attacking zod's army and they show the city and they show the boy and his father and i mean we don't actually see it but it's like no they're just they both die
2: yeah, there was, no, there was no need to show that.
3: I was like, I was like, why are you showing us this? This doesn't. Am I supposed to like? Am I supposed to like, What am I? What am I supposed to feel about that? Like that just seems mean. Uh, yeah, they like, and but but I mean, it was it was you know I guess just one more thing where everybody was supposed to die. I mean, everybody was going to die. Um, mm-hmm. Mike, what's something else about the movie that uh, that impressed you or not impressed you?
2: Well, it was interesting because for me it was, it was interesting because i I liked seeing Zod again. I thought that was pretty amazing to see, and I liked the confrontation between him and Kara, and you know, especially when he said that they intercepted Kal-El's, you know, jet and basically. You know, they killed the kid, you know, didn't survive it basically. And, you know, and then Kara's reaction and shooting the heat beams out of her eyes and everything was, that was just so good. So good. And, you know, no one's neck had to get broken either, which was pretty awesome to see. So it was, that was a plus. It's,
3: It's so ironic because in Man of Steel, one of the biggest controversies is that Superman takes a life. Right. And, and takes Zod's life. Right. In this movie, we've got a Supergirl who has no problem taking life whatsoever. She massacres a whole army of Russian guys. Yes, she just does. kills them, straight up murders them all.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
3: granted, she has reason to. I'm not yes. saying she doesn't. And that's not justified. But she has no problem murdering people, and yet she can't murder Zod.
5: Like, like, like.
3: I was like, that's. That's kind of a. Is uh, kind of a an twist.
5: unwillingness or an inability, though? I
3: thought. Well, no, it was an inability.
2: I yeah, think it was but, an inability to more. Yeah,
3: I mean, she wanted to, sure.
2: Oh, very much. But so. she, but she couldn't. But
3: it. Was, I thought the big guy was going to end up being Clark. I thought, I thought for sure the big guy was going to take off, like his helmet was going to fall off or something, and it was going to be. Henry. I was going to be like that. Would have been something, but yeah, you know,
2: whatever. Yeah, but no, I I like the. I liked the interactions between the two Berries, and I thought that was pretty awesome. And I even liked, you know, there was some fun parts in it. I loved, you know, the whole thing with uh, Diana's lasso and everything and, you know, and the truth coming out both from Bruce and from Barry. I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, but, you know, but there, it, that was nice to have a little bit of lightness, but I didn't find this like ha 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 funny 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 or anything like that like some people were saying so it's like I wonder if I saw the same movie or not but like I said earlier I liked seeing Michael Keaton back I did like him as Batman and I thought I loved how he was a recluse and I loved how he was you know pretty much knocking the heck out of Barberry and but the Barry who had the powers was just like oh look I'm getting out of the way here getting out of the way there and it was it was interesting and then you know I did feel a tinge of nostalgia when they went into the cave for the first time and then I thought that was awesome especially when they turned on the lights and everything and seeing the waterfall and everything because I think for me that was one of my favorite back caves in film and you know I just I had a blast with that and you know i just i thought it was interesting and i liked the little takes that they did from you know the flashpoint storyline and everything and i couldn't see them doing an amazon and aquaman war because not enough people who go see these movies read the comics watch the tv shows or anything and it's the same thing with the reverse flash them introducing the reverse flash would just be another character that they would have to try to explain. And I don't think they would be able to handle it truthfully because we know who the reverse flash is. We know because we have read the comics or watched the TV show and we know who, Th- who Thane is and such. It would have been kind of cool, a little nod to the TV show if they would have brought in the reverse flash from the TV show as the bad guy or something. And it was interesting. I it was real disappointed my one big disappointment, we didn't get to see Grant at all in this movie and everything. And, you know, it would have been a nice little nod, especially on one of those uh, CGI worlds that they were showing, like the green. Yeah.
3: Well, let's shirt. spend the money and show us a extended Nick Cage scene that nobody wants.
2: I thought it was kind of cool seeing actually the Nick Cage spider scene because Kevin Smith has made so much fun of, you know, ha- having to write that scene. With the giant spiders and everything in it, because that was Kevin Smith's script with the Nicolas Cage movie, and so and so. No, I didn't mind it, and I totally geeked out seeing the Golden Age Flash, and and that one globe, and you know the same world where the the nineteen fifty Superman lived and everything. I thought that was pretty cool, so I I enjoyed some of it and everything, and I you know would have lo- loved to seen them do more with that but now we're seeing the worlds more collide or anything and then them just saying because of what barry did there's only one world or something kind of like what they did with flashpoint at first so it would have been cool to see
3: they're not ready to do that yet though nope we <laughs> got rid of the, the Snyderverse, which is we cool. don't know what their world what that one universe is going to be like and for another what two years
2: Mm-mm. Uh.
3: I'll tell you, the only parts of uh, with uh, Keaton's Batman that I really, really liked in this movie, because it didn't depend on nostalgia, was when they infiltrated the Russian base and he just kicked ass. Like he, the fight scenes, like Michael Keaton and the stunt people that were using that suit back in the, 80, the late 80s, early 90s, could not move like that. And and yet, uh, you know, the, he had that problem with you know moving his head like this. Like, um, but they kind of fixed it or went around it with those fight sequences. And I was just like, man, that's that's a Batman. I wish we got to see fight back then, because um, the yeah, his ability to just take those those uh, those folks out, I just thought was amazing. Uh, it was it was comparable to the Batman fight sequence in Batman v Superman, I think, for me.
2: Um, it was a great scene. It was truly awesome. And I loved when, you know, every time they started shooting, he would just open his cape and it was all bu- the bulletproof and the bullets were hitting. But it, you could see him, you know, because it was still probably hurting, you know. them
3: made out of the same material as uh, uh, John Wick's suit, right?
2: Of course. <laughs> Very much so.
3: Of course. <laughs> and the bullets just bounce off. Um. And I will say too, the one thing I did want to point out too, as far as uh, the 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 CG special effects, what have you, I mean, I know that some are better than others or whatever, but to me, the best effects were at the beginning, showing the Flash and his speed, like they yeah. the the speed effects for the Flash in this movie were way better than any speed effects I've seen on any Flash, like and that includes like the CW show and now. Uh, because we've seen that over and over again and we'd seen a little bit of it in, you know, The Justice League movie or whatever, but the the scene in particular where he goes from Central City to uh to Gotham uh it's just, you know, walking walking on water and all that kind of stuff. I was just like, man, I've met, like this is what I want from a Flash movie. This is what I I think Flash like experiences when he when he goes fast. Um and I thought that that effect looked really cool. Some hmm. of the effects of, you know, everything going in the slow motion once he was doing things like yeah, the babies and all that kind of stuff. Some of that worked for me and some of it didn't. But the actual effect of him moving fast, I thought was, was great. I did I did think it was weird though. Sometimes he had red lightning and sometimes he had blue lightning. It seems like they couldn't really decide like,
5: <laughs>
2: like was the, I thought blue the was blue the was the other berry.
3: Yeah, I thought so too. But then when but then there were times when uh, the the older berries was 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 blue, um, and I couldn't figure out that really. I just thought that was
2: odd. Hmm. Oh, very interesting, Mister Gordon.
3: Well, I don't know. I didn't. You know. I didn't. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anything else? Uh, now let's let's. say. Let's, let's, okay. okay. So. We don't know. Well, we pretty much know that this is that the the door is going to be closing on this universe. We get Blue Beetle, which I think is part of this universe, and we're getting Aquaman, and we may get other things here and there. Um, I hope this isn't the last time we see Gal as Wonder Woman. Uh, they keep teasing, like they keep show- she keeps showing up. She showed up in Shazam earlier, and she shows up here, and I'm just like, I just want you to have your own good movie, like. <laughs> um, And at least before you go, Um, but after seeing this, I mean, do we want any of this stuff to continue? Is there anything that you like about this, this sort of version of the DCU that you want to see continue? Uh, And, and furthermore, I want to start with you, Ashley, on this too, because I want to ask you first and foremost, it seems to me that you'd have to have a lot of knowledge about, some of the comic stories um and some of the other iterations of the DCU to really really uh, understand this movie um were you lost at any point
7: um i i felt like i was able to keep pretty good track of it track of it but um it's interesting as i stopped to think about that now i wonder if maybe General audiences maybe had a hard time like understanding the significance of the movie just because of my familiar with the CW stuff so a lot of the terms and things that were used even though I haven't been able to read the comics yet I was introduced to them in the CW verse so I wasn't surprised seeing them here. So I feel like that did give me a leg up as a viewer. Um, it, I was able to track and follow along with what was happening because of some of my familiar with the other media. But I would be curious to hear somebody who doesn't really have, who doesn't know about the CW stuff, just catches um, superhero movies on occasion, what that viewing experience would be like.
3: Yeah, because I would think that, um, yeah, because some of the things, like if you don't, if you've never seen a George Reeves Superman, if you've never seen a Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're only like 12 or 13 going to see this movie, all that stuff at the end, completely lost to you. I mean, yeah, you kind of, you know.
2: No, it's other Superman, you know, basically, because you've got to see other Batman. So basically you're just seeing other, even as a 12 year old, you would know that, oh, it's just a different Superman. You got to see a Superman with long hair. You got to see a Superman with a Supergirl. You didn't know who they were, but, you know, you just saw or you got to see a Superman in black and white. And then you saw a guy running real fast with a, you know, like a helmet on his head. Basically. And then you got to see another Batman in black and white or, you know, and such also. So it's just, you know, you saw different things. And I think that wouldn't have taken anybody out of it. You know, like going, you know, who are those people? You know, they just would be. They wouldn't know the history behind it. But a lot of people wouldn't even have a clue about the Nick Cage Superman movie. A lot of people who are just average fans wouldn't have a clue about that.
5: Yeah. yeah. The only thing that I'd add to that though is the Nick Cage one looks like Nick Cage. Like it's bad CGI, but it looks like Nick Cage, and that one. So my wife didn't know. I don't think any of those references, and I think. Um, Mike, like you were saying, it was mostly just seeing like an older Superman, an older Batman, whatever. But the Nick Cage one threw her off because it was clearly Nick Cage, and yeah. she was like, "Wait, what? Why does he look like Nick Cage?" That was the only one that, like, <laughs> on this world,
3: Nick Cage is
1: Superman.
5: Yeah, like if you don't like if you don't know the references of any of those, I agree. I think for the most part, it just like you get you pick up on the idea it's an alternate version. But the Nick Cage one, I think, will pull people out of it if they don't. And I think most won't get that reference. I think a lot of people will be like, wait, why?
3: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I When I compare that kind of thing and I get it, you know, I mean, it is a nostalgia pull like it, you know, just like I'm uh, seeing the third season of Picard. It's like nostalgia, 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 right? Um, doesn't matter if the script is bad. Doesn't matter if the characters, doesn't matter what's going on. As long as we give you like nostalgia trips Uh, everything's going to be okay. And I kind of felt like that's what they were pushing on us at the end in a very overly CG way. Um, uh, But um,
2: uh, But let's start with... Let me say one thing with that, though. It made more sense to show them and show all the different Earths, you know, showing, you know, instead of just seeing the green globe and the blue globe smashing into each other and everything. It actually gave it meaning, oh, these are who on these planets or versions of earth i think that's what did it there
3: what i do like is that this and even the cw did this when they did their crisis crossover they've referenced past dc media Mm -hmm. and it seems to me that both of them are saying hey it all counts like it all is part of a the dc multiverse um that um, so that we can have more elements like this appear in movies uh, or some form of media in going forward, because people understand multimedia, uh, like multiverses now. And so we can have different versions uh, appear at the same time and, and work with that and have fun with it. Um, but, yeah, so to to before, to, yeah, before we get out of here, we will start with you. Do you want to see more from this universe?
6: me I'm ready to move on. I am very excited about the Blue Beetle movie coming out because it's it's gonna be new and different. people aren't gonna people don't know who bleep. most people don't know who Blue Beetle is, and uh the trailer for it looked really good i'm I'm excited about it so and James Gunn said on um inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum that Blue Beetle is the first character. In the new universe Even though this isn't the first movie Superman Legacy is the first movie So I don't know if that's His cryptic way of saying that Blue Beetle is going to be in his universe But that's what he said
3: I mean Yeah I mean I guess anything to try to help Promote the movie Uh, Cletus what about you do you want more of this More uh, Ezra as the flash or this universe I don't
5: particularly enjoy Ezra as the flash so I'm I'm definitely okay with moving on from them um specifically I also I think they have to move on I think this was the final kind of nail in the coffin I know there was some murmurs that you know Warner's really liked this and they really liked Ezra in it um and so he might get to stick on um and then it bombed I I think they have to move on And I think, Drew, one of the reasons that Gunn feels compelled to say that Blue Beetle is not part of the current DC universe is because it'll be DOA also. Um, If it's supposed to be part of the Snyderverse, so to speak, no one's going to go see it. They're going to wait for it to come out on streaming. That may happen anyway. We'll see. But I think this, because this film's pretty good. It is not the disaster that some of the other DC films in this era have been and it's still bombed, I, they have to move on. And I would argue that this film demonstrated that I think basically everything is riding on Gun's Superman movie. I think if that movie, I'm not expecting it to, but if that movie bombs, I don't know that they get a chance to make any of the other films that they have planned. I think if that one goes, the goodwill is instantly gone because they're be like, look, this is the second time that you guys have tried to do this and you already messed it up again. I'm not saying that they will, but if, if that happens, I think the gun universe ends with Superman. I don't think they have any mulligans. I think they, they have to succeed on that because public opinion on DC films is non-existent. Mm-hmm. I, the, uh, Marvel. we we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. Marvel themselves are struggling with their films, they The last year, they've demonstrated that the film actually has to be good for a Marvel film to do well now, where, the, where that was not the case. During the peak Marvel era, they could put literally anything out, and it would make a billion dollars. And that's not the case now. The film actually has to be good. Um, so if that's the case for them, and they have a huge built-in audience, they have a lot of goodwill, DC has none of that, uh, which is unfortunate. but i i'm sure that he feels the pressure but this film to me really emphasized the importance of the superman film being good like it it kind of has to be good or we're gonna probably just get individual pictures sporadically for a while and that might not be a bad thing that might spare us i don't know but um any hope of a connected dc universe i think is a lot is writing on that superman film and it's it would be a shame if it doesn't happen because i the one thing i kind of liked in this film was i thought this gave us our best taste of what dc could have looked like if they hadn't dropped the ball on this universe this felt like the most lived in universe movie that we've gotten so far because one woman just shows up right casually Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's Batman is in it they mentioned Superman, Alfred is you know what I mean, like it felt the most like a Marvel film where you would see other characters pop up for a little bit, maybe not actually be important to the plot, but just sort of a reminder like, hey, this is a lived-in world, and these other characters that you know from other movies are here That this was the best taste of what that could have been, I thought I don't know that they nailed it all the time, but that you could see where this universe could have gone in if somebody had moved the tomato tomato cans uh, in a different spot.
3: <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh Ashley, do you want more from this universe?
7: Yeah, well I mean seeing Gal Gadot again would be amazing. I would like to see that, but I've kind of made my peace that um with the cameo in Shazam and then the cameo in this is probably going to be the last time I see the character. So, um yeah i i think i've made peace with that um i do hope that i'm desperately hoping to get to see robert pattinson as batman again which is not a sentence i thought i would be saying five years ago but here we are and so i still kind of hope that they keep that that like yeah regardless of what happens but yeah i agree with you cletus i think that um james gunn's movie is going to be so important like I really enjoyed this movie The Flash but I think in terms of like box office and public opinion what they need that film needs to be great and do great at the box office great with critics and great with fans so no pressure there but yeah so um, I am yeah curious to see that because I like James Gunn's work in general and yeah I'm hoping that they continue with uh, Robert uh, Pattinson but yeah I I I think that a lot of is up in the air for both DC and, to a certain extent, Marvel right now. So I think, again, as we've been saying, it's just important, like, good stories, good characters that we care about. And um, the spectacle and special effects are always fun, but it comes down to that story and the characters. And I think if those are there, then people will, will continue to show up for these movies.
2: Mike? Um, I agree with what everybody has said. It's interesting too, because you got a great story and, but I think it's too little, too late and there's a new regime coming in and I think they want to pretty much wipe out the old and bring in new. I just hope people aren't expecting that they're they're going to get George Clooney now as Batman in the new universe. So (laughs) it'd be interesting to see.
3: I know George Clooney doesn't want that.
2: Oh, I know. <laughs> I was shocked to see George Clooney because he swore that he would never, ever do a superhero movie again. So well, he didn't put on the suit. No,
3: but they I always couldn't get him he, to put on the suit.
2: I always said he made a better Bruce Wayne than he did uh, Batman anyway. So it was interesting to see. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see what's next. And I'm glad they're distancing Blue Beetle a little bit from the Snyderverse or whatever they want to call it. So let's go on further and into the future. That's all I can say with it. And, you know, I'll probably, this at least out of probably the last five DC movies will be one I'll watch again. This and the Batman probably are the two.
3: I'm, I'm there. Um, I, I'm, I'm right there with Ashley. I mean, I still would like to have one more good wonder woman film with gal, uh, just cause she's, she deserves better than, the last one she got for sure. And, uh, and, and yeah, I do think there's a, it's a smart move to put like, I mean, I like Henry. I like Henry as Superman. I wish we got him, you know, we only got real glimpses of him as like the Superman that I really like. So I feel like he's never really got a chance to play like a Superman that I would really like in a good Superman movie, but that that's gone. I I don't think they'll, they'll do anything with Superman from now until James Gunn's movie, because you definitely don't want that. You don't want to burn that bridge before that movie that it's so important what James Gunn is doing. And that's the first official movie of that universe of that shared universe that, uh, that, yeah, they don't want anything to mess that up. So I, you know, I think that's why, you know, Superman and Lois is going to go one more season and that's it. And then you won't see Superman at all for like a year and a half until the James Gunn movie. In any form, uh, so but you know it doesn't mean that you know Blue Beetle. What no matter how what universe it's connected to, I'll go see it. Aquaman, I'll go see. Uh, obviously, the next Batman movie, I'll go see. Uh, Joker and Harley Quinn that's coming out, I'll go see that. So I'm I'm a DC guy. I will I will go to those movies, um, and uh, and I never want them to suck. Uh, I didn't want this movie to suck. And I certainly don't want the Superman movie that James Gunn is doing to suck. I don't want any of them to suck. So I'm hoping that uh, we get some good things going forward. So, but well, very cool. Well, this was fun. Uh, we appreciate the uh, DCU guys hanging out with us. We know you're going to talk a lot more about this movie in more detail on your show. So, But for right now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get creative. And then we're going to come back and close out the show.
2: is it strange?
0: Hi, everybody. Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment, and it's all about the ladies today. Anne and Nancy Wilson of Heart, their last album of new music was in 2016. And as you may remember, there was some personal drama that happened that year, and we weren't sure we were ever going to hear from them as a duo again. They did reunite for a tour in 2019. Um, but there hasn't been any new music, but that is going to change. Uh, They have been writing songs together, and as soon as Nancy wraps up this tour and some projects she's working on, they're going to finish that up and record it. Uh, Nancy says it is similar to their music from the late 70s. So if 70s-era heart is your jam, something definitely to look forward to. Also, The Pretenders, and when I say Pretenders... This is not Martin Chambers, no past members. This is all Chrissy. But the first album under the Pretender's name uh, in three years, since 2020, it's called Relentless. It's on Rhino. Um, It'll be out September 15th. The single is called I Think About You Daily, and the strings on it were arranged by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. And also from the good folks at Rhino... Uh, the plainly but aptly named Stevie Nicks Complete Studio Albums and Rarities box set. Uh, She has had a box set before, but it's been a while. It's been more than 10 years. So this is the latest treatment of a box set for her. It's out uh, July 28th, $300 for the LP version. Uh, That's 16 LPs, limited numbered edition, 3,000 copies, clear vinyl, all eight studio albums, uh, some remastered for this, packaged in gatefold sleeves for some of them. Also a three album or three LP 23 track rarities album. Uh, most of the tracks are available only on this set. Uh, there will also be a 10 CD version for hundred dollars and a digital release as well. So lots to look forward to this summer and fall. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment and we'll catch you next time.
5: Hi, this is Jim Adams from Monster Attack, inviting you to
3: join us every Monday night at 5 o'clock for an all-new episode of Monster Attack. For the last seven years, we've been talking about these wonderful movies that we grew up with as monster kids. So join us
4: every Monday at 5 p.m. right here on the ESO Network.
2: Hey, everyone. Now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment. Oh, we've got a good one for you now. Mr. Mike, who's joining us tonight? Well, we've
3: got, uh, as people can see on the YouTube, uh, we've got with us Robert, Jeremiah, Donovan, and Jacob. And they, you guys are all with Heroes for Causes, correct? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll let you guys each tell us what your role is. Starting with you, Robert.
4: Well, my role has been uh, helping these guys out uh, with different connections <laughs> and uh, trying to get us out more. I think that gives a good summary,
8: right, Jeremiah? Yeah, it does. Okay. okay. So, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah? Uh, I mostly do the connecting ourselves, connecting with charities. A lot of the face-to-face work that we do with uh, hospitals and things like that. Jacob, um, I'm pretty much just kind of. A... Answer questions as are needed. uh, Work on some graphics and stuff like that. Consult, just kind of throwing out my opinion when it's wanted.
1: Awesome. And Donovan? I do the uh, concept artwork and the pencils for the actual comics. Awesome.
2: Oh, wow. You're the artistic one. Okay, that's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and, and Donovan,
3: I guess I will start with you on this one. Um, Tell us about working with the Children's Diabetes Foundation, in particular, uh, the newest book, I believe, is Upturn and Downdraft.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the one. Um, So with the from the inception of our our comics with Pathway and Jeremiah, um, we've tried to attach a real life human being to one of our characters. That way that there's a, a, one, there's a doorway to a real person, but two, to make sure that we're actually getting as accurate of information from somebody who's dealing with one of our, uh, uh, one of our, one of the issues that we're dealing with. So with uh, the Diabetes Foundation, CDF, they went through and they found a pair of twins in Colorado, I believe, right, Jeremiah? Yeah. In Colorado. And we had a zoom call with them and we kind of took some of their ideas that the, the two, the two kids had, and we kind of applied that to our storyline. And then we kicked around some ideas as a group, um, I'm glad to say all my bad ideas got kicked out and we went for more of a, a mech idea for that book, but that's where it started. And then we, we would talk with the mom and the dad and the kids as we, as we progressed along and we sent, you know, when my pencils were, do- well, when my concepts and my thumbnails were done, we sent them over. And then when my pencils were done, we sent them over. And then as some of the pages were getting inked, we'd send those to them. But then we wanted to kind of keep it a surprise. So we waited until the final book was actually done before Joseph and Jeremiah sent them over.
3: Oh, nice. How many books have you done so far?
1: We have three. So okay. our first book is Pathway, which is um, cystic fibrosis. Our mm-hmm. second book is Center Ice, which we teamed with the American Cancer Society. Wow. And then Upturn and Downdraft, which is Children's Diabetes Foundation.
3: All great causes. That is awesome. All great that is causes. Awesome. Uh, where, where did the inspiration for producing comics like this come from?
1: Uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah and I met on a Facebook page and Jeremiah has cystic fibrosis. Uh, I had a cousin and his wife who passed away from CF and, and Jeremiah created the character pathway kind of on his own. Well, not kind of completely on his own. And he just wanted like a picture drawn. And I was like, oh, CF, I know that let's do it. And then Joseph kind of came along and he's like, oh, I think we should do a whole comic book. And I'm really lazy. So I'm like, oh yeah, but we did. And it was, and it worked out. And then from there, uh, Jeremiah and Joseph kind of got us in with America Cancer Society, and then Jeremiah and Joseph got us in with the CDF, right? CDF. Mm-hmm. I'm always scared I'm going to get the wrong letters. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. And
3: and and Jeremiah, how did you get come about like making these? Uh, the inspiration for these comics. Uh,
8: honestly, the inspiration for the original one was myself. Um, it was supposed to be just a cosplay and a matching picture I was going to use to hand out information about CF. Um, and like Donovan said, it kind of ended up with a life of its own.
3: Awesome, awesome. And 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 how do you go about distrib- distributing these comics? Distributing right. these comics—that's what I wanted to say.
8: We do it through our website, whenever we're at conventions, uh, things like that.
3: Cool. Um. Uh, Jacob, how did you get involved?
8: Um, actually, uh, I've been best friends with Donovan since seventh grade, so by um, association kind of thing, he got uh, on board and then he uh, uh, initially uh me about uh, color and on the pages and stuff like that, and um, that necessarily didn't work out, but I did end up helping out with uh, like gas colors and prices colors so, like, I just got the initial uh, coloring, and then they kind of took on it or what they needed.
2: I think we're losing you a little bit, Jacob.
4: A little bit,
8: yeah. Uh, I, I try to avoid
4: kids. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck in the sweet force, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> it, uh, Robert, Barry. how about. Robert, how about you? How did you get involved initially?
4: So, how I got involved is so uh, if you know me, I go to conventions. Normally, I'm Buddy the Elf, and I've been going to the conventions for like the last seven years. And uh, Jeremiah and Joseph both reached out to me because they know I do these conventions. And they're like, hey, if we wanted to, do, they were talking about like doing a cosplay. Am I allowed to say that? Is that okay, Jeremiah? Yeah, okay. Sure. Talk yeah. about doing a cosplay for the character. They want to bring the characters alive. So they were asking me, like, um, you know, uh, what kind should we do and stuff like that. And it was asking me for advice and stuff. And I'm also, I raise money for the Children's Mercy Foundation in uh, Kansas City every year. So we talked about maybe uh, reaching out to them and stuff like that. So that was kind of how we all started. And then I'm friends with some of the comic book men. So I was tagging them when they're about, they about to do an event in August with them. And uh so yeah, that's I'm just here to give advice and about the Comic Con life.
3: <laughs> Very cool. Well I have to tell you, um the one I'm, i I I read uh Upturn and Down Draft and I was really impressed. Um and in particular okay. I mean, I know it's, uh, you know, it's 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 an association with the Children's Diabetes Foundation, uh, mostly with uh, type one diabetes. But as a person who has type two diabetes, I was when I was reading it and I was like, wow, these characters are checking their blood sugars. I'm like, I've never seen that in a comic before. Like, that's like that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, How much research do you have to do and how how
8: fun is it to try to apply some of that stuff to the books, the characters? Uh, Joseph and I do most of the research. That's why we work with you know the patients themselves and the charity, so that like they can help out with you know the information they already have, kind of lessens our research load.
3: And and in this case, uh, inspired by uh, Brody and Everly, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I, I assume have type one diabetes. Is that right? They do. Yes. Now, now did. When you say inspired, did they have any um, uh, concept in mind of what kind of superheroes they would like to be? Did you, did they you did, pull that um, from them?
8: They, we did it with all of our books. The kid, you know, they put it, they tell us their hobbies, their favorite colors, and we work all that in. Um, with them, they both love video games. So that's why we, get, we get kind of, the you know, they're controlling the VR machines. Mm-hmm. Just because they both love video games. The robots are their favorite colors like they get a lot of input into all that. That's really that is cool.
2: awesome that you guys are doing that. That's really cool and it I'm sure it's a thrill to them to be able to say, "Hey, I helped make a comic book and everything like that."
8: Oh, they they are always really excited when they see the final product and get to see themselves, which is the point, you know.
2: For mm-hmm. sure.
3: Now, I noticed that uh in reading this one, it it does reference uh at least one of the other books um and I'm I'm I so what, I'm sorry but in the mul- of them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I'm guessing that this is a shared universe that you're creating here.
8: It is. Um, while each individual hero and in their story is, you know, are technically separate, with uh, kind of our own little, like thing, like Justice League or Avengers, um, with Pathway being the one who started it all. That's why he shows up. You know, welcomes the new ones to the team, makes sure it's everyone do- doing okay. He's kind of our, you know, our our flagship guy.
3: That's yeah, and 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 do you, have you heard directly from the charities involved, and and how they're how do they respond to these these comics?
8: Uh, we have, um, unfortunately, our charity we work with for Pathway uh, didn't do so well during the pandemic, so they no longer have funds to continue. Mm. Um, but they loved, you know, when they the first batch they did, they absolutely loved it. Uh, Colton Underwood, which is the guy who started that charity, and he's been in the NFL and that thing, he absolutely loved it. His niece Harper loved it. Uh, Children or the um, American Cancer Society has already talked about doing a second book. They've or, you know done two events across the country in addition to the ones here. The Tampa Bay Lightning had a hand in that, and they loved it. So, and so far, everyone, especially the kids, have loved getting to see themselves in these.
3: Yeah, I can imagine. Pretty soon you're going to get just uh, overwhelmed with uh, kids who want to be part of these books, I think.
8: And I would absolutely love every minute of it.
2: <laughs> you know, there's worse things to happen, you know, by, you know, more customers, more ideas for comics, more characters. You guys, you know, might eventually rival DC and Marvel. You guys will have some. Yeah.
8: <laughs> we <laughs> so we,
2: we are awesome.
1: working towards world domination on that end. But With, <laughs> with heart. With heart. <laughs>
2: Of course, of course. Poor Donovan.
1: Will be like, ah. <laughs> I would imagine
3: that a lot of the charities, any any way that they can get information out to people uh, so that not just the people who uh, have those, uh, those conditions can relate to the books themselves, because I think that's important for representation, but also for people who don't have that condition so they can be educated as to what it's like to have that condition.
8: Exactly. And and the way we do it isn't something that's really been done before. Like normally you see, you know, you see cause-based books, they're either they're like super, super educational, not very fun, or they focus so much on the fun that, you know, that the cause is just like a glimpse and you know nothing about it. We we definitely took a, a while to make sure we got that line right.
3: So how, how, how uh, long has Upturn and Downdraft been, been completed?
8: Uh, I want to say about, three months, four months. Okay.
3: That
1: sounds about right.
8: And, and is it available
3: uh, digitally or just digitally, or can you get print copies or?
8: Well, digitally and physical uh, through our website or from the children's diabetic foundation website.
3: Awesome. Awesome. And, and your website would have the access to the other two as well. Correct. And, and have you already started working on
8: a fourth book? We are in talks right now with a couple of charities about two possible more. Yes, nice.
2: That's awesome. Nice. So that is really one cool. quick question: If a kid wants to be part of the comic, how do they get in touch with you?
8: Uh, it wouldn't be a kid. The kid themselves. We work with the charities, right? And then we once we have a charity lined up and a cause, we find a kid that has that that we can work with.
2: Gotcha. Okay, uh,
8: it'd be a little bit much if we were trying to do each individual kid that wanted to do it. <laughs> um, but I know Donovan is known for if a kid wants to be drawn as a hero for his cause as well, it does commissions
2: reasonably
8: for like reasonably priced. So mm-hmm. I try to help awesome. out. And, no, no, and Robert,
3: you mentioned conventions. Are you guys on the, on the tour? Are you guys uh, appearing at
8: different places already this summer? Cause the convention season is already upon us. Yeah. Uh, we were just, we were just at a spot at Megacon. Okay. Uh, we will be at Cincinnati Fa- Cincinnati Fan Expo as well this
4: year. Yes, nice. and uh, we'll be at the Secret Stash. Or, yeah, that the will the be
8: yes. August twelfth.
2: Yes. Ooh, you might actually get a visit from Kevin. That'd be awesome.
8: <laughs> That'd, be <laughs> That'd be pretty that awesome. Would be
4: awesome. I just cool. actually saw Kevin uh, literally last weekend at uh, Dallas Fan Expo. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Him and Jason Mewes and all of them, they were all together. They did like a whole uh, clerks um, slash mall rats reunion. Nice. Uh,
3: are you guys out of the same area? Are you different different places?
8: Uh, we're from, all over the place. I'm in Florida, Donovan's, and uh, I think Jake, too. We're both in Vegas. Joseph I'm Hill in, in Arkansas. Family.
2: Goodness.
3: I'm in
8: Idaho, actually. Oh, Idaho! Okay. <laughs>
2: wow.
3: So yeah, we got, we got almost every time zone represented here. That's awesome. <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys being able to join us uh, throughout all the time zones. Um, is there anything else that you want to promote while you're here? Any, any
8: websites or anything like that? Uh, I mean, other than you know the Heroes for Causes website, obviously. But um, they also should absolutely you know check out the. American Cancer Society, Gold Together One, and the Children's Diabetic Foundation. And if you know of any charities who might want to work with us, send them our way.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys are doing great work. Um, we really appreciate bravo. What bravo. the efforts that you guys are putting in. And yes, bravo. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kudos to you guys. Thank you.
1: You
2: guys are aces <laughs> in my book. This is cool. I love what you guys have done let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment to close up the show
4: for over six years the 42 cast has worked to provide panels discussing topics from every corner of the geekosphere continue with us as we count down to episode 200 and try something a little different celebrity guest contributions yes emma dumont from the gifted is partnering with us to talk about science movies and so much more you can only find this great content on the 42 cast. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything.
2: So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to thank everybody for being here tonight. DCU guys, Drew and Cletus, thank you so, so much. Guys, want to promote anything or anything you want to shout out about?
6: Yes, we have a new website, earthstationdcu.com, dcu.com. And we Yay. have a we have a weekly newsletter that's going to start coming out soon. So, we're going to have our list of comics that are going to be coming on our next show, so people can uh, read up on stuff if they want to, listen to our re- to our reviews and stuff. So, that's coming very soon.
2: That's cool. That is very, very cool. I think that's awesome just anything you want to shout out about real
5: quick? Yeah, like I always do on our podcast as well, I have some comics here um, that if you enjoyed this movie, if you enjoy The Flash and you've not really read the comics, that I would recommend. Flashpoint, obviously, um, it's what the movie is. It's very good. It's The reason everybody knows Barry's origin the way it is, is in part because the comic is so good. Um, the new Fifty Two Flash, I personally really liked the start of that run. The artwork on that is my favorite Flash artwork. Oh, that was, um, awesome. that was it's awesome. so good. Yep. Uh, I highly recommend. I mean, some people are you know the, what they do with the characters. Some people like, or don't like, but the artwork on that is is very good. And then up top, you can't really see it, but um, hopefully, hopefully, if everything goes well, we are going to see an adaptation of this in the new Gun Universe Super uh, Super Girl. Woman of Tomorrow. Um, oh my gosh. It's a, it's my favorite Supergirl comic I've ever read. Drew and I reviewed it on our podcast. Hopefully they're doing a movie based around that. We got a really good Supergirl in this film. Strongly recommend that comic as well.
2: Very awesome. Ashley, thank you so much as always.
7: Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure.
2: Anything you want to shout out about?
7: Yeah, just I'm really excited that... Uh... Strange New Worlds has started up again, and um, I'm really excited because I waited until after it was done airing to watch it and fell absolutely in love with it, so I've signed up and I'm watching it week by week, and I'm really excited to participate with um, getting to chat about it with everybody this time.
2: Awesome. So when we do our review, we can count on you this time. For Yes.
7: Yeah. I I might be even more excited for this than the Mandalorian. But as a Star Wars fan, I'm not admitting to anything. So I'm I'm not owning to anything, but just just saying.
2: That is awesome. That is awesome. Congrats. Welcome to the club. (laughs) And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend.
3: We did. And as always, it's my pleasure.
2: Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh,
3: I just got to pay tribute. We lost a legend this past week. Uh, John Romita Sr. Uh, passed away. Um, and uh, mostly, you know, we're talking about DC most of the time this today. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't think of Marvel. And in particular, I can't think of Spider-Man without thinking of John Romita. I mean, it, it, I know Ditko co-created the character with Stan. But when when I was growing up, I mean, the first – books that i bought that had spider-man in them were by john uh whenever i think of peter parker i think of john as peter parker um the the iconic images that he created uh certainly the introduction of uh, mary jane you just hit the jackpot as well as the iconic image of the spider suit and the trash can with peter walking in the rain in the alley i mean those are two iconic like you're lucky as an artist to get one iconic image uh, you know, that makes it unknown. But he's had several. Those are t- just two of them. Of course, the wedding issue of uh, Peter and Mary Jane, et cetera, et cetera. Co-created The Punisher. Co-created uh, Wolverine. I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. Um, so, And I, I, I wish I'd got a chance to meet him at some point and, and let him know how much uh, his work meant to me. But, um, yeah, he will be missed. and 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 he definitely made an impact.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: It's amazing how iconic his artwork was. If you think of Spider Man from any time in the 70s and the mid 60s on, it's all John Romita. It's just, it's amazing the stuff you got. The scene where you have Green Goblin dragging Peter Parker unmasked as Spider Man, uh, that's John Romita. That's another the, one. With yeah. Spider Man, they even re- recreated it for uh, the very first Spider Man with. With the current Spider Man, they had him lifting the like the rubble and you know him stuck in it. That's John Romita and everything. It's just awesome. It is just awesome, awesome stuff. And he had big shoes to fill in taking off after Ditko and everything. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty awesome. It was really, really awesome. I guess that's gonna be my shout out too. So, you know, he was just, he was a great in the industry and he will be missed. Pretty awesome though, cause you know what? We got a lot of great things coming to you throughout the summer, folks, and we are so happy that you guys are here with us. And you know what? Thank you. Thank you. As always, as you know, we like to say, it's great to have everybody with us. And, you know, we want you to join with us every week. You could do that by going to your like and subscribe button, wherever you listen to the show, even up on YouTube, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Can't say that enough about it. And you know what? I think it's great how many people we have subscribing to the YouTube channel. It'd be even better if we you told all your friends and neighbors about it. The more people tell, find us, the better we could do. The more we could start making money up on YouTube because, you know, those YouTube bucks are so awesome. So it's pretty cool with that kind of stuff. So definitely check us out up on YouTube, up on Apple, up on Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are there. So definitely join in leave feedback, and you know what? We'll move on now. So it's pretty cool. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Feedback at EarthStation1.com is the best way to get in touch with us. And of course, if you want to get more in in there with us, why not join the ESO Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you can also help support the network and EarthStation1. Go to patreon.com slash ESO network. As a way of always saying thank you, let's give a quick shout out real quick to our patrons because our patrons are just, the lifeblood for us here up on the network and you know right now we like to say we want to say thank you of course to some of the fine people here of course we want to say thank you to mary ogle barbara ogle and of course mark heffernan and of course jerry chandler and that's just a few of the names that are subscribing to us it's pretty awesome that you get people like that and you know what You two can do it for, like we said, as little as a dollar a month. It's not that much, folks. And you know what? Go to patreon.com slash ESO network. All right, folks. That is going to wrap up the show for tonight. We hope to see everybody next week here. You will see you. Peace. And we are done. Take it easy. And remember, don't forget the tomato sauce. Boom. And we're done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One Podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESOnetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done.